Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, again, if you've got your copy of God's Word, if you would turn to Luke chapter 4, uh, we're looking at verses 1 through 13, at overcoming temptation, uh, the defeat of the dark side. When we think about temptation, that's oftentimes what we, what we, we think of. That's what first comes to our mind, our, our dark side, our side that... Um, that maybe we indulge in, that we don't uh, uh, vocalize, or sometimes we do. It depends on what uh, scene you're in. Um, but I, when I think about uh, a term such as the dark side, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars. I grew up in that generation, so uh, obviously it's quite appropriate when I think of such, uh, such thing as temptation. And I think about probably one of the most famous scenes, the most iconic scenes in all the film, and, and, and whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, I think you, you, you know this scene where uh, Darth Vader in The Empire Strikes Back is, is there and uh, he's got Luke and they've been uh, fighting and, uh, and, and he finally reaches out to him and he tries to, to, to help him up and he says, you know, Luke, I am your father. And everybody who first saw that movie for the first time went, ah, you know, oh my gosh, never saw that coming. Or maybe you did especially if you knew what Darth Vader actually meant. But that's another, for another day, because it actually means father. And, but anyway, uh, from, from that point on, though, Luke begins a journey of enormous temptation to abandon uh, the Jedi way, to abandon what he has come to know as, as, what, as what he has been faithful to uh, as the Force uh, to join the dark side. Darth Vader tells him to join and together they can rule the galaxy. They can rule everything. They can have everything as father and son. And of course, if, if you continue to watch the story unfold in the following movie, uh, the movie to follow, Return of the Jedi, you would have also witnessed the great temptation of the emperor and how he tempts uh, Luke. And he, he gives the same message, but in a different light. He says that... He is much stronger than his father and that he can, uh, if he just overcomes and kills his father, he can join the emperor. So they get the same kind of message but from a different individual. Same temptation in a different presentation. All he had to do was release his anger, defeat his father, and the whole universe would be his. Why is it that power and control become so intoxicating to us. It's that very struggle that often leads us to fall to temptation. The temptation of being in control, of having the ability to feel as though we have power, as though we uh, are making our own fate, as though we are navigating our own lives. It's that very struggle that I believe starts the temptation here with Jesus. And we're not the only ones that recognize this intoxication with power. After all, the great tempter, the accuser, the evil one, Satan himself knows just how 
to push our buttons. Just how to get under our skin just enough to get us to succumb to temptation. Well, our scripture this morning, the devil tempts Christ to abandon his sonship, to abandon his, uh, his uh, declaration of being the son of God and exercise self-preservation by looking at these three attempts to tempt Christ, we will discover that Jesus begins his ministry with an enormous defeat over evil that points towards his ability to conquer it all together once and for all. By withstanding temptation that Christ uh, uh, provides, it gives us that example, the way, if you will, for how we should face such temptation. Here, Jesus will signal the alignment with God's will in a way that surpasses the evidence already provided by his display of submission to God when he was there at the river Jordan and submitted to baptism. In fact, that's what we're coming off of. We're coming off of, of that scene in which he uh, goes to John the Baptist and, uh, and becomes baptized. Obviously, uh, some of that is, uh, is in some of the other synoptic gospels, but the scripture tells us that he's returning from Jordan. And we know that that's why he went to Jordan, was to be baptized by John the Baptist, as that is where he was. So he submits to John the Baptist, and then he goes immediately and begins to be tempted and submits to God once more through the temptation. In the Old Testament and in Jewish tradition, fidelity to God was proven in the midst of testing. After all, think about the great story of Abraham as he was called upon by God to sacrifice Isaac. Just take one look at the nation Israel and their failure to prove their fidelity in the Exodus story. They were divinely led into the wilderness as Jesus is here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. They experienced it for a number of 40 days, if you remember. Exodus 16:35. But in the end, through though Jesus was full of the Spirit, Israel rebelled and grieved the Spirit, as Isaiah 63, verse 10 points out. What Israel was unable to do in those 40 years, Jesus does in 40 days. This is the first critical point to the battle with temptation. Jesus entered into this season, if you will, being tempted by the devil, the accuser, full of the Holy Spirit, as the text points out. He didn't go to battle with, uh, with Satan or with the great tempter unprepared. He didn't enter into that period with the, without the proper spiritual mindset. We often make it harder on ourselves when we face temptation because we go into it ill-prepared. We go to it blindly. We jump face first into situations that we shouldn't find ourselves in in the first place. How often have you showed up somewhere unprepared 
you know, maybe you were called upon to teach a Sunday school class, or maybe you were called upon to do some, to make a presentation at work. Maybe you were called upon to uh, provide snacks for uh, a group of children at school. I don't know what uh, situation you might have found yourself in, but I'm sure you could think of some situation where you were called upon to provide something, and you got there and you forgot. You forgot that you were the one supposed to be bringing this or that, or you forgot you were the one that was supposed to make this presentation or that presentation, and you had to wing it. How uncomfortable did you feel? How, how ill-prepared for that situation did you find yourself in, and, and how did you navigate through it? You probably improvised, and maybe what, what uh, came from that was something that was just half put together or half cooked, half baked. Maybe it worked out, maybe it didn't. And if that's how we navigate the temptations of our lives, sometimes it'll work out, sometimes it won't. Many of us throw ourselves right into the wrong situations. We make temptation an uphill battle because of our position, and thus we reveal that unlike Jesus, the Spirit's leading is far from what we are mentally prepared to do. But just because He is spiritually and mentally prepared, it does not make His journey any easier. Christ, ready for battle, enters into the wilderness, and thus the time of His temptation and testing begins. Jesus faces His first temptation full of weakness, as the Scripture says. The body is weak. It says that He was hungry, having fasted for 40 days. We have to remember that Jesus was, as Hebrews 4, verse 15 points out, tempted just as we were tempted. He was human and experienced all of what defines humanity, which includes hunger. Have you ever been hungry? Are you hungry now? Are you saying, I wish you'd hurry up, I'm ready to go eat, I'm hungry, stomach's growling? I would argue you're not really hungry. Have you really been hungry? Have you been 40 days hungry? You ever been 40 days hungry? Well, Jesus is 40 days hungry. This is how weak his body is. And yet he faces the greatest temptation here with Satan right before him. Satan doesn't always come when we're feeling all good and strong and healthy and we're on our game. He often comes when we're down and things are struggling and things are hard and life is tough when we're hungry, when we're sleeping, when we're tired. In more ways than one. But just because we may become physically or mentally weak does not give us excuse. It does not mean that we, like, like Jesus here, can't remain spiritually alert and remain strong towards temptation. With this stage set... The first temptation is given by the devil, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. The devil never denies that Jesus is God's Son. All throughout this temptation, this story, he proclaims him as the Son of God. 
but rather he exploits Jesus, this status that Jesus has, and urges him to use his power in his own way, to serve his own needs, to be self-indulgent, if you will. And after all, who can blame him? He's 40 days hungry. He, in some ways, challenges his sonship by attempting to allure him into proving his control over creation by turning stone into life-saving bread. Notice how temptation starts. It's innocent. It seems as though it's something as though we all need. It seems as though it's something that we can all understand and relate to and seems okay. There's nothing that wrong with bread, right? There's nothing that wrong with satisfying 40 days of hunger. But it's in the manner in which Jesus would have had to do it by exploiting that all things do not come from God and that he can be self-reliant. Another way the devil could have asked this question would be maybe like this. If you're a God's son, if you're a God's child, then why should you suffer while others enjoy a plenty? There are many sitting uh, around Jerusalem right now, and they're eating on the hog. I mean, they're, they're, they're stuffing their stomachs, and they got all kinds of food, and yet you're the son of God. Why are you suffering? Why is God allowing you to do this? Maybe we've experienced temptation like this in our past. Why are we suffering? Why do we have so, so, so little when we look at the Joneses? The Joneses. And see that they have so much. <laughs> you know... It can be tough sometimes to look around and see that we're not keeping up with the rest of society. And that others seem to have it better than we have, especially when we try to be so faithful. But Jesus' response puts everything back into perspective. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and affirms his trust in divine provision by stating that man does not live on bread alone. We are more than what our stomachs can be filled with. We are more than what the body can be clothed with, as Jesus points out. Turning stones into bread will not prove his sonship. Sonship is not expressed in the exercise of some kind of magical power, but in the calm, confident faith that God in the midst of life's chaos, in the midst of life's difficult circumstances, will provide. When life gets tough, we must remain dependent on God's help and His leading and not take the way out that compromises our faith. No matter how small the picture seems to get, we have to remain focused on the Spirit's leading and on God's provision. We learn from this temptation that God will extend His provision to those who reject self-indulgence. We know that God ultimately provides. 
when the devil sees that Jesus is firmly dependent on God's provision and he can't get him there, he moves on to an appeal to promise of kingdom and of great power. Remember in Luke chapter 1, verses 32-33, God's purpose is to grant Jesus an everlasting kingdom. After all, that's why Jesus came to earth. So again, it might have been a short, quick way to get that kingdom. The devil can provide that for him. He can provide a kingdom. After all, the devil is the, the, the ruler of this world. He was given dominion over this world. So the devil proposes to displace God as Jesus' benefactor. He says, I'll give you what God is holding now. You got an inheritance from God? Well, I'm going to give it to you now. Have it now. Have your inheritance now. Have your kingdom now. Satan, again, point out, point out, John chapter 12, verse 21, the ruler of this world, and even the God of this world, as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says. But there would be a cost, again, of course, call for the of Jesus' allegiance. Basically, he would have to deny himself as God's son and substitute in its place a relationship with the devil. Recall for a moment the story of the great lyricist Charlie Daniels in his hit The Devil Went Down to Georgia. The devil makes a similar offer to give Johnny a fiddle of gold to engage in a duel. Johnny states, it might be a sin, but he's going to regret because he's the best he's ever been. The devil often gets us to think that we have all that we need here within this body. That we're capable and we're powerful enough to provide for ourselves. But at what cost? Jesus again uses scripture as his strength. This time he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 which states, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus' response is a rejection of the devil's pretensions to absolute sovereignty and a reaffirmation of his uncompromising fidelity to God. He will walk the road of redemptive suffering if need be and reject the way that seems to be popular. The kingdom God has to offer is far better than any temporal promise of this world. Again, Jesus gets that being a ruler of this world gets him nowhere because this world is eventually going to fade out. It's going to eventually run its course. The kingdom that God offers is everlasting. And so if we can exercise patience and wait on God and trust in Him and worship Him only, we experience the promise of everlasting life. The final temptation is perhaps the most significant in Jesus' own life. Everything about this test 
points towards his ultimate journey to the cross. First, the setting for this final test, this final temptation, is Jerusalem. Undoubtedly, a symbolic anticipation of the definitive test that Jesus will have to face in his eventual death and resurrection. Now, since the devil has picked up on the fact that Jesus likes to use Scripture, he doesn't combat that. In fact, the devil pulls out some Scripture of his own. In verses 10 and 11, he issues you this challenge. He tells him to throw himself down from this highest point, for it is written, he will condemn his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Right out of Isaiah. This testing of God results in an effort to force God's hand by putting him into a corner and making him act on something other than his own terms. But in spite of his knowledge of, of Scripture, the devil grossly misinterprets it. The Scripture, which happens to be out of Isaiah and also a reflection of Psalm cha chapter 91, is addressed to those who, through their fidelity to God, reside in God's presence. In other words, faithful obedience to God is the controlling prerequisite of the promise that we see in Psalm. And on a larger note, divine rescue for Jesus comes eventually through His suffering and death. In other words, He must experience His suffering and death in order to experience the protection and the rescue from God and His resurrection, His redemption. When I read this text, especially for the first time, I, I couldn't help but think about the final scene of Jesus and his life on earth. In Luke chapter 23, verse 35 and 36, Jesus hangs on a cross. And if you remember, he was mocked by several soldiers. They told him, that if you're the Son of God, come down off that cross. That sounds very similar to the, the temptation that Satan is throwing at him now. I almost think that in that final hour as Jesus hung on that cross and he heard that mocking, he recalled this temptation of Satan. And it was then, I think, that he realized how faithful God was going to be to him. That he was going to rescue him. That he was going to provide him. Then, as now, Jesus does not allow doubt to manifest and remains confident and patient to wait on God's time. It's hard to remain patient in the midst of temptation. It's hard to wait, be patient in the midst of suffering. But we learn that it is necessary often to fulfill God's plan. As this temptation account closes, the devil's departure from Jesus signals his concession 
signals his defeat. But it's only a defeat of a battle, not of the ultimate war. Scripture tells us that Satan leaves. But note that he says he, says he leaves only until the opportune time. In other words, we're, we're told to stay tuned. Satan will continue to come at Jesus. Lest we think that, that, that Jesus went through temptation here in the wilderness and never faced it again until he was on that cross. After all, he's human. He continued to experience it throughout the rest of his life. I'm sure he experienced it as he was sitting there with those disciples and wondering why in the world they couldn't get it. Why in the world they kept missing the, the, the point of the story. I'm sure he was tempted to abandon the ministry. I'm sure he was tempted to say, where are all the people? Where are all the followers? Where... Where are you, God? Where, where, what are you doing? I don't see you working. I don't see anything happening. I, when is this going to take place? I'm sure he had all kinds of temptations, all kinds of questions, but ultimately he stood the test. And he gives us the ultimate example, the ultimate standard to aim and to point towards. Throughout his entire journey, Jesus demonstrated his faithful obedience to God. And so we ask this morning of ourselves, what temptations are we facing today? Are you spiritually prepared to do battle? Have you readied yourself? Or are you diving head in to the temptations that this life has to ha offer without any spiritual background, without any prayer, without any scripture, without any help from God? Are you eager to trust in God's provision and His sacrifice? Are we willing to sacrifice our own will and even the world, the things of this world, and wait patiently for His plan to unfold? Overcoming temptation always begins and ends with faithful obedience to God. To defeat evil, the darkness of this world, the, the dark side, we must follow in the obedience modeled by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Even if it means to our own death. I don't know what we're being faced with as a temptation. We each face our own temptations in our own journey, in our own spiritual walk. As a collective body, we face our temptations as a church. As a collective people and culture and society, we face our temptations every day, every turn on the news, pick up a newspaper. It's time for God's people to get back to following and being faithful and obedient to His plan. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for giving us the ultimate template, the ultimate example of how to face temptation. Lord, it would be one thing if we were told to avoid temptation and pray for forgiveness and never given a way, a plan, a battle plan, a blueprint 
how to deal with it or how to face with it. Lord, right here in this scripture, we have that blueprint. We have that battle plan. If we would just follow it. It's time for us to hide God's word in our hearts. Ingrain it in us so much that it pours out from every soul and every inch of our bodies. It's time for us to, to remain faithful and obedient to your plan, to be patient, to wait on you, to not indulge and grab what might make us feel good in the moment. Help us to resist the temptation of, of power and control. Help us ultimately to release, let go, trust in you. Lord, Lord, we pray for those moments in which we fail you and we ask for forgiveness. We pray, Lord, for the strength to continue to face temptation head on, just as Jesus did. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to praise team is going to come. We're going to sing a closing worship song, Blessed Assurance. I hope that you have that this morning. And wherever you are in, in the battle of temptation and, and in your spiritual walk, would you, would you trust that the Lord is going to provide whatever you need, whenever you need it. Would you stand as we sing together?
uh, you can be seated for just a moment unless you really have to slip out and Cheryl's going to come and uh, give us a little information on, on our church banking. She's our church banker. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.